0: Well, this morning, in a shortened fashion, just to let you know, uh, we're going to continue sermon series on chasing carrots, and we've talked about the carrots of fame and money and stuff, and today our topic is perfectionism, and uh, I'm not going to preach a perfect sermon, so just get that out of the way right now. The false and foolish idea of perfection is one of those carrots that, that we can find ourselves chasing in life, much to our own chagrin, you know, just... What am I doing here? I, I can't be perfect. Why am I working so hard at being perfect? Perfection is, is doing everything perfectly without fail. It's setting a bar very high and then thinking somehow you're going to reach that bar. Did you know that there is a verse in the Bible that actually says, be perfect, even as your heavenly father is perfect? That was always kind of an intimidating verse, you know, when I first read that. Be perfect. There's no way I'm going to do that. It's found in Matthew 5:48. And, and what makes this command even more intimidating is the person who said it. It was Jesus who said this. Be perfect, even as your heavenly Father is perfect. However, and thankfully, when Jesus said he wants us to be perfect, he was not talking about moral perfection. He was not talking about being sinless, sin-free. He was saying that we need to love as God loves. In the context of this verse, you realize he's talking about something else, not moral perfection. He was talking about love and how God loves both the good and the evil of this world. So let's read Matthew 5, 43 to 48 together. Matthew 5, 43 to 48. You have heard that it was said, love your neighbor. And hate your enemy. No, that's how most people do that. That's what we see going on in our world. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be children of your Father in heaven. He causes his sun to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. If you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are not even the tax collectors doing that? You know, they kind of put down those guys, the worst sinners. Aren't they doing that? They love the people who love them. And if you greet only your own people, what are you doing more than others? Do not even pagans do that. Do not people who do not know God do that. They they greet the people that would greet them, but otherwise they snub everyone else. Then he says, be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. If we only read the last verse of this scripture, we could get the idea that Jesus demands that we need to be morally perfect. But what he actually is talking about is loving everyone as God does. Love everyone on earth the same way that God does. And when he used the word, this Greek word perfect, it doesn't mean what we think of as perfect. It means being being complete, being full of God's love. Be full of God's love for everyone just as God is full of love for everyone. Now, that's a relief. I don't have to be perfect, neither do you. Now, we all know by personal experience that we can't be perfect, but that doesn't keep us from trying to be. And so today I want to talk about our unhealthy need uh, to prove ourselves, the need to perform in such a way that other people may be impressed and maybe even God might be impressed, how many of us are hard on ourselves sometimes? You know, we, we give grace to someone else. Oh, yeah, my child failed. They, they messed up, and, and it's like the 10th time they did that. But I still say, honey, it's okay. No one is perfect. But when it comes to me and to my behavior, it's like, what am I doing? I'm such a worthless scum, you know, You know, because here I am back in the same place that I was before. And so we don't have the grace for ourselves that we might have for someone else. We may have a very unrealistic expectation of perfection which we know in our heart of hearts is not even attainable and then when we don't live up to that we feel feelings of shame and remorse and guilt and unworthiness according to psychology today perfectionism is a personality trait that makes life an endless report card on accomplishments or even your looks When healthy, it can be self-motivating. It can drive you to overcome adversity and achieve success, they say. When unhealthy, it can be a fast and enduring track to unhappiness. And what makes extreme perfectionism so toxic is that while those in its grip desire success, they are most focused on avoiding failure. Instead of success, now it's like, I don't want to fail, I don't want to fail. And perfectionists don't believe in unconditional love expecting others' affection and approval to be dependent on their own flawless performance. So if you live in that life, you can see, you know, this this is not a good way to live. This is not a happy way to live. This is not a fulfilling way to live. And some of us battle with perfectionism. And if you do, you are probably always worried about your performance and whether it measures up to the people around you, what is expected of you. And if you battle with perfectionism, you find yourself obsessing over something to get it just right so that you may never even finish what you're working on because I can't quite get it there. I'm just not ready to say, okay, I'm done. If you battle with perfectionism, you may find yourself not doing something you would really like to do because you're afraid of failure. I would really like to go after that. I'd like to go there. I'd like to do this thing. But I'm so afraid of failure, I can't even start. I can't get it going. And if you're battled battle with perfectionism, you are sometimes tempted to lie or to be the hypocrite in order to protect this image of yourself that you're trying to present to everyone else. And even though we know that obsessing about doing things perfectly is unhealthy, we keep telling ourselves, you know, this is the price I have to pay in order to be successful in this world. So this morning... I don't want to talk about all the psychological part of this. I want to talk about the spiritual side of perfectionism. A lot of times we see it as a psychological issue, but I believe at the root of it all, perfectionism is actually a spiritual problem, and I'll I'll show you why, I think. Perfectionism is a veiled expression of our pride which is the root sin. You know, The reason we sin is because we, we have pride in ourselves. We have pride in who we are and what we can do. We're always trying to prove ourselves, always trying to, to save ourselves, something which we can never do. It is also a spiritual problem because it is very often a cover-up, a covering for our deepest insecurities or maybe our deepest fears, maybe even our, our sinful thoughts and behaviors. And we say, you know, I'll, I'll present myself in this way and nobody will know what's going on behind the scenes perfectionism is believing the lie that if I can live up to some high standard of behavior I will then be good enough to satisfy myself and other people and maybe even God it's a lie at its root then perfectionism is a very real spiritual problem Covering our feelings of insecurity or sinfulness. In fact, if you go all the way back to the Garden of Eden, back to the first book of this Bible, when Adam and Eve were still perfect and holy before God, we see before sin entered into the world, they were living in a perfect environment with total freedom. And the pressure to perform for God didn't exist. There was no thought of that. We're just living our life. We're happy. We're enjoying. We're at peace. They lived in perfect harmony with God, perfect harmony with each other, with the world. And they were at peace. But then Adam and Eve disobeyed God. And they immediately felt insecure. Insecure. It changed everything about their their mentality, their their physicality, everything. They felt ashamed. They they knew for the first time that they were naked, and they felt ashamed, and they felt embarrassed to be seen by each other, and certainly by God. And so what did they do? They made a covering of leaves for themselves to create the appearance that they were okay. (laughs) But really, they were not. God came to them. And he held them accountable for sin. And he put them out of this perfect garden. They, they lost what they had in, in the original part of, of their lives. You know, the, the, everything was beautiful. Everything was peaceful. Suddenly that is all gone. And now there is hardship. And now he said, I'm going to put a, a curse on Satan for tempting you. And all of you will be at enmity with each other. You will be in conflict with each other. There will be a spiritual battle all of your days, because of how things have changed from sin entering the world. And from that day on, mankind has struggled with pride and feelings of of insecurity and wanting to prove ourselves worthy of God's love and blessings. So at its root, perfectionism is a spiritual problem. At its root, we need to let God solve the problem because we can't. We, We can't get there. We can't be perfect. We can't solve this problem. Perfectionists believe, however, that they can fix their own problems, and yet the Bible says this is not true. How then do we get right with God? How do we solve this problem with God's help if we cannot fix ourselves? Well, the Bible says in the book of Romans, it tells us the way that we can get right with God, and it is not by obeying God perfectly. It is not by doing enough good works to offset the sins that we have done. So somehow we balance the scales, you know. And and now it weighs in our favor to be acceptable to God, blessed by God. No, God had to take care of all of that. So we're going to read in Romans 3, 19 through 24. And this is what it says. Now we know... That whatever the law says, it says to those who are under the law so that every mouth may be silenced and the whole world held accountable to God. Therefore, no one will be declared righteous in God's sight by the works of the law. Rather, through the law, we become conscious of our sin. But now, apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been made known to which the law and the prophets testify. This righteousness is given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. There is no difference between Jew and Gentile. We're all put in the same, same club. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And all are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, that came by Christ Jesus. Now, I want to keep the scripture on the screen so that you can keep looking back at it and, and look at it carefully. Notice how the Bible describes the situation that we are all in. Notice how inclusive the Word of God is. All of us are drawn into the same camp here. And the Apostle Paul, writing under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, says things like everyone. Every mouth, the whole world, no one, all. You know, it's like we're all in the same camp. This means that all of us are being talked about here, every last one of us. You're in this passage, I'm in this passage, all of us are in this passage of Scripture. And this is what Paul says, almost as if he is speaking directly to and battling this spirit or this craving for perfection, to prove myself, to show that I'm worthy that I can earn God's love somehow. He says in Romans chapter 3, verse 20 this. He says, no one, and I, I highlighted those words, you know, caps there. No one, no matter who you are, can ever be made right with God by doing what the law commands. Now, God gave us a law. He gave us the law of Moses. He gave us all these commandments of God to say this is how you're supposed to live. This is the best way to live. I really have your best intention in mind, but this is the law. And no one has been able to keep that law except Jesus. And then verses 22, 23, and 24, the word of God keeps inserting this word all over and over again. So there are no exceptions. All of us, all of us, all of us. And verse 23 says that all of us have sinned. All of us have fallen short of God's glory, God's holiness. But verse 24 says, That all of us can be justified freely by His grace through the redemption, the salvation that is in Jesus Christ. So, what about perfectionism? We do not have it it in us to to be perfect, to, to perfectly obey the law of God. In fact, We can't do that. It's already been proven. There's nobody on the face of this earth other than Jesus Christ, the Son of God, who lived life perfectly. We all failed. We can strive for perfection all that we want to, but we cannot get there on our own. Let's just admit it. We can never perfectly keep the laws of God. So why did God give us the law? Just to beat us down? No, it says he gave us the law simply to show us how sinful we are so that it would drive us back to him where there is a solution, where there is an answer, where there is a fix, where there is a way for us to come back to God. And it's not by law. It's by grace. It is a gift of God. We Find out when we see our our failure, our sins, our shortcomings, all the mistakes we've made in our life, that we need God's grace. We need a Savior. And the law shows us that without Christ, God can justly condemn any of us, all of us, for our sins. That is true. It is right. It is just for him to do that. All of us need a Savior. And guess what? God provided one in Jesus Christ. People today don't like to be criticized and judged. You know, we have a world where, oh, you said that about me. <laughs> you know, you condemned me. You can't do that. You question, uh, you question what I chose as my preference for life. You question my lifestyle. But this is the truth. This is simply the truth. This is what the Word of God says about us. It's saying that all is of us have sinned. I'm not trying to to be hateful. I'm not trying to condemn anyone. I am only telling the truth, right? This is what the word of God says. All of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. All of us. And the Bible even says that the human heart is deceitful above all things. So don't listen to your own heart. Listen to the word of God. You know, if you're questioning this, you say, "What are you saying, preacher? You're saying I'm a sinful person?" Yes. Not me, but God said it. he knows every one of us. He knows that we have all failed. You can't even tell the truth about yourself, nor can I. So listen to the word of God when it says, no one will be declared righteous in God's sight by the works of the law, and all of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. The reality is that until we see ourselves as sinners, we won't see our need for a Savior. And that's why the law is beautiful, why the law is helpful. It shows us we need some help here. We can't do this. We can't be perfect. We can't live up to God's standards. So what do we do? How do we get right with God? We get right with God not by religious efforts, not by doing good works, not by eliminating bad stuff from our lives, not simply by joining a church somewhere. We do this simply by placing our faith, our trust in Jesus Christ to save us. That's it. Jesus, the sinless son of God, who is actually perfect in every way, the only one that did this, gave his life as a sacrifice for the forgiveness of our sins. And we're made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ and only by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. I'm not bringing anything to the table except my faith, You know that that I'm trusting him. I'm going to do what he asked me to do when I believe in him. And so I'm going to you know, declare my faith in Jesus, and I'm going to repent of my sin, and I'm going to be baptized into Christ, and, and I'm going to you know, live for Christ all my days. But it's just what he did, not what I do, that saves me. That's why Paul also said in Ephesians 2, 8, 9, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. Living as perfect a life as we possibly can cannot save us, but God's grace can. Perfectionism focuses on what I do. My performance, my effort, my, my religious works, whatever you would think you're bringing to the table. But grace focuses on what Jesus has already done. And you see the difference? Perfectionism is all about me. You know, Here I am, my pride again, trying to save myself, trying to show my worthiness to God. And grace is all about Jesus. And that's where the word of God comes down on this subject of perfectionism. Grace is Jesus' righteousness and goodness uh, given freely to us on the basis of our faith, our trust in him. And because God loves me, because he accepts me through Christ, I can now live as he wants me to live, not out of fear, not of insecurity or proving myself, proving my worthiness, but just out of gratitude and love for what he's given me now in Jesus Christ. I can choose to obey God as a benefit of and a response to the gift of his grace. Perfectionism says that I need to win God's approval. There's a whole bunch of people over in Liberia I can tell you, of a whole bunch of people in the rest of this world that are trying to earn their way to God, to get God's blessings by doing things for him, by sacrificing for him, by praying enough times, by fasting enough times, by giving enough money, by doing all kinds of denial things in their life, self-denial, and they think that's how they're going to get God's blessing. God says, "I already blessed you. What are you doing? I already gave to you my son Jesus. I gave you his grace." Because of what Jesus has done, I don't have to live a perfect life, and neither do you. Because of Jesus, the pressure is off, and we can be free and walk in his grace. We can follow Jesus. We can be empowered by Jesus to live the way he wants us to live. And we don't have to feel insecure anymore because we know What God has done for us in Jesus Christ. We don't have to go around trying to impress everyone with our performance or our good deeds. The pressure is off because the focus is on him. In Luke's Gospel, chapter 10, two sisters were hosting Jesus and his disciples for a dinner party. One was named Mary. The other one was named Martha. You've probably heard of these two. And many of us are a lot more like Martha than Mary. Find out that Jesus is coming, all of his disciples, at least 13 people, probably with the people that were also following, maybe 20, 25 people showing up at the house. And Martha is wigging out. (laughs) She's trying to make everything perfect for her dinner guests. Can you imagine if they announced they're coming to your house? Suddenly you got 30 new guests, and one of them is Jesus Christ, the Son of God. No pressure. Everything just has to be perfect. That's what you're thinking. I've got to make this perfect. This is the best dinner I've ever presented to anybody. Imagine Martha, what was doing was what, was what we would be doing, running around like a crazy person, trying to take care of everything, every detail. And meanwhile, her sister, Jesus arrives, goes over and sits at his feet, looks up to his face adoringly, listening to every word coming out of his mouth because she is so devoted to what Jesus is going to do in her life. Chit-chat, chit-chat, chit-chat. And Martha's over here going crazy. Her sister is doing nothing. Luke 10 says this. As Jesus' disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, You are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, or indeed, only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. Imagine Martha was glaring at her sister. Her eyes were saying, get over here and help me. You know, there's muttering under her breath. Finally, she can't take it anymore. She says, Lord, What are you letting her do? Why are you letting her get away with that? There's something to be done here for you. There's something, work to be done. And he says, my dear Martha, you're worried about many things. You're upset over many details, but really only one thing matters. And your sister found it. You know, you need to get with it. (laughs) You need to understand. We'll, We'll eat. We'll be fine. But what's more important is what she has discovered. Martha, Martha, don't miss the moment. Don't try to live up to something that's not real, that, that's not really that important in the end of all things, in the eternity. Don't worry about making everything perfect in your life. Focus instead on your relationship with me, Jesus says, and everything else will turn out as it should. Doesn't that remind you of our theme verse for this? You know, search me, O oh Lord. You know, look at my, my ways. Look at the ways I'm living my life. Show me the path I should follow, and then all these things will follow. Let's stop trying to win God's approval by living a perfect life. Simply live every day as a grateful response to his gift, to his grace. We don't have to earn God's approval because we already have it. He's already said to you, I'm giving you my son. I'm giving you his righteousness, his goodness, his life. And it's going to, to uh, you know, overwhelm your life. And you don't have to worry about all of this. You don't have to prove anything. We don't have to uh, be approved by God because we already are. Now we can just simply live in gratitude. Now we can simply live in, in response to God's love. And love as he loved us first. And then we can become the people God wants us to be. As the word of God says in Hebrews 12.2. Let's fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter, finisher of our faith. You want to be complete? You going to be mature? Fix your eyes on Jesus, and you'll be fine. God, I thank you for your word. Thank you for the things that you're saying to us as we study it together. I pray that we would be devoted to you and not to perfectionism, not to our own salvation somehow. We thank you, Lord, for the things we can do for you, for the the expressions of your love to other people, that we can grow in the love that you have for both the evil and the good of this world, and that we can be complete in that way, Lord, that we can be filled up with your love and give it to others. And if we struggle somehow with perfectionism, Lord, trying to do everything right every time, Lord, free us from that. Help us to find peace in you. And to know that you've already approved us in Christ. If we have put our faith in him, we're trusting him for our salvation. If we are living for him every day, that's what you're asking of us. And then you will give us the life that you want us to have. You will help us become the people you want us to become. Anyone struggling here today, Lord, uh, talk to them today. Speak to their heart. Help them to realize that they cannot save themselves. We cannot do enough good works to overcome the past and overcome all the bad things that we've done. We don't have to beat ourselves up for the mistakes we make even now because we are in Christ, and in Christ we are loved, and we are blessed. We are approved by God, and we can live for you every day. Uh, Thank you, Lord, for loving us as you do. Thank you for giving us your grace. Help us. Uh, to live, Lord, in a way that honors and glorifies you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.